You're listening to To Dine for the Podcast, the Shot Put Media production, presented by MasterCard. Start something priceless. What's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Terlato Wine Group and American National Insurance. To Dine For the Podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Hello, everyone, and welcome to To Dine For, the podcast where we meet the world's most creative and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is LeVar Burton. You're going to tell stories, (laughs) you might as well tell the big ones, right? right? The ones that have the opportunity to be the most inspiring, Mm -hmm. to hit people where they live. Wow, was this a great episode of To Dine For on PBS. And today we're doing something a little bit different. We are giving you the full, unabridged version of the conversation This was such an interesting, intense, entertaining, wonderful experience that I had with LeVar at his favorite restaurant in Sherman Oaks, California. The restaurant is called Mistral. If you don't know who LeVar Burton is, you should. He has been on Star Trek. He started with his miniseries Roots in the role of Kunta Kinte. And then, of course, he was the beloved host of the PBS show, Reading Rainbow. He has an incredible career trajectory and an incredible story to tell. And I really hope you enjoy this special episode of To Dine For The Podcast with LeVar Burton. LeVar, how are you? Hi, Kate, how are you? Thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure, I love this place. Right off the famed Ventura Boulevard in Sherman Oaks, California, is a restaurant called Mistral. This old-school French bistro is warm and inviting, just like LaVar. Oh, this place is so lovely. It really is. The energy of this restaurant is great. 
It's been in the neighborhood uh, for a long, long time. Mistral, named after the Mistral wind in the south of France, opened 35 years ago and has been named by Open Table as one of the top 100 restaurants in the country. Locals love to come through the door and be taken care of by owner Henry Abergel and his team. The one thing I stress uh, is hospitality. So I, uh, when you come into Mistral, it's like coming into my home. I take care of you and I make sure that at the end of the meal you are very happy. When they go out to dinner, they have a choice. And the fact that they pick to come to Mistral, I really appreciate it. That hospitality has led to an abundance of regulars at Mistral, some of whom Henry lets keep a running tab at the restaurant. Yes, that really does still happen. It is clear that Henry's presence is the real secret to the bistro's success. I'm uh, very stubborn. I come to work every day, seven days a week. If you have enough passion, you will probably succeed. Passion, hard work, respect for your employees, respect for your customers, respect for the food that you serve. Today, over an endive salad with pear and crumbled blue cheese, steak au poivre with frites, and a glass of red wine from the Rhone Valley, I sit down with actor, host, director, and storyteller LeVar Burton to take a look into his illustrious life and career. Well, first of all, thank you for bringing me to this beautiful mm. restaurant. Isn't it lovely here? Oh, it is so lovely. Yeah. It has just got such a great energy. I love this room. And we have, as a family, spent many, many, many important family occasions in this room. Have you? Over time. Oh, yeah. Well, I was wondering that because you could have chosen any mm. restaurant in L.A. Mm -hmm. Why Mistral? Because it's my neighborhood bistro. We actually eat here. I do and yeah. have been and have been doing for 35 years. Wow. Yeah. What is it about this place? It's, it's Henry and his spirit, mm. right? Henry doesn't, he's just not, he's not simply in the hospitality business, he is hospitality, mm. right? He embodies it. He does, yeah. he does. And, and he comes by that talent naturally. Uh, his mother and father used to own a restaurant right here in the valley, down, down the street, called Le Serre. Mm. And I, I had the great good fortune to frequent Le Serre many times for, again, important occasions, both lunch and dinner over time, and then Henry opened this place. Isn't it interesting that you didn't mention the food? Because so often we think that we, our favorite restaurant has to be the place right. we love to eat, the food we love to eat. But sure. it's so much more. A restaurant is so much more than the food. It's, it's, it's equal parts vibe, yes. right, as well as cuisine for me. And, and this, this room has both for yes. me. When, when I am asked the question, what will be your, if you could you know, have your final meal, right? Yeah. What would that be? I always answer steak au poivre. And Mistral does it just the way I like it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Table in heaven. Yeah. Steak au poivre. <laughs> steak au poivre, <laughs> right? And the french fries here are the best in LA. They okay. absolutely Okay, are. now you're talking. No, no, I'm serious. They are unparalleled. Okay, and I understand we're having that with yes. the steak of Barbara. Yes, so indeed. Done and done. Yes, Excellent. Exactly right. Um, but I'd love to like learn a little bit about you. And I know that you were born in Landschul, Germany, mm -hmm. and you grew up in California. I did. And ooh, hello, Henry. Wow. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have, Henry? Yeah. An endive salad mm -hmm. with crumbled blue cheese and fresh pear. Oh, wow. 
Looks great. Yes, please. Yes, I would. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Until your arm falls off. There you go. <laughs> I see. He likes the pepper. There you go. Thank there you. you go. Thank you so much, sir. Bon appetit. Bon appetit. This looks amazing. Mm. You know, this, I don't know if we've been to a French restaurant on the really? show. So this is lovely to be able to, to come here and to experience this. Well, for me, this is a, a French bistro, mm -hmm. which is different from right. a French restaurant, mm -hmm. right? Because bistro to me means neighborhood, it means comfort food. Yes. It just has a very different vibe right. than the classic, traditional French restaurant. It's not stuffy. It isn't. It's warm. No, it is, of yeah. course. Right. Right? The flower arrangements are always incredible. The art changes over time. We had a piano over there for my 40th birthday. Wow. And we had the whole room that night. And were you around playing and singing? Oh, I don't play the piano, but we had hired somebody who does that for a living. Okay. <laughs> we got him from the mall. We got I've from never the... heard you sing, but I thought, sure, LeVar could probably uh, sing. I, 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 a little, <laughs> a but little. I don't play. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your childhood, growing up in California. Mm -hmm. Who was the biggest influence on your life? My mom. Really? With, hands down. Single parent, raised three children by herself, mm. put us all through Catholic school. Mm. Was very supportive of my initial desire to become a, a priest. You um, wanted to be a priest? I studied for four years. Did you really? Mm -hmm. And then you pivoted to acting? Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that. What, you were going to be a priest mm -hmm. and you pivot to acting. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, the real answer is that I, I, I found myself becoming interested in the world outside of Catholicism mm -hmm. and, the, the, and, and the church. And I, I began to think a lot about the world and my place in it. Mm. And I had decided to become a priest when I was really a little kid. I was eight and entered the seminary when I was 13. And then I had to think of what is it that I want to do? And I had recently discovered theater arts and it had really brought a lot of joy yeah. into my life. And I thought, you know, it was one of those in the mirror, in the bathroom moments. Mm -hmm. what, what, what am I gonna do with myself? Yes. You know? The ripe old age of 16, I thought, <laughs> <laughs> what am what I, am I gonna doing? do now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At a crisis, right? An existential crisis <laughs> at 16. Anyway, I, I thought, well, you know what? Be an actor. Mm. And there are similarities. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of performance mm -hmm. uh, associated with the ministry and being a member of the clergy, especially in the Catholic Mass, it's very much a play. You know, there are smoke and mirrors mm -hmm. and, you know, magic mm -hmm. and mystery. Mm -hmm. a, a, a lot of theatrics, mm -hmm. right? Your first role of Kunta Kinte, mm -hmm. you were 19. What an amazing, epic role to be one of your first forays into acting. My first professional audition. Incredible. So what did that role do for you and how did it shape your career? <laughs> how long do you have? How did Roots shape my career? I, I, Roots gave me a career. And it introduced me to the power of storytelling mm -hmm. in a, an indelible way. I was aware, you know, through exposure to, to literature and living with my mom who was an avid reader and, and English teacher and so there was an emphasis in her house on literature and the written word. And I, I was thrilled to be able to be a part of storytelling that had an impact mm -hmm. on people because as a seminarian, and, and, and uh, that's what I was going for, to have an impact on people, right? 
Did you get at the tender age of 19 just how profound that role really was? No. No? No. You were thrilled to be there. I was thrilled to be there. I, 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 I had a sense of its importance, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I, my very first day as a professional actor, I, Cicely Tyson played my mother, Dr. Maya Angelou oh played my grandmother. Gosh. That is just like so heady. It, it, it is, yeah. and, and, and it was. And yet I wasn't nervous, mm, really. You were not. I wasn't, well, I was nervous, but I wasn't scared. Which is to say, I did not allow my nervousness to paralyze me into non-action, right? I felt like I belonged there. I had earned the role through a, an audition process. And I, I really was convinced I knew this character. I knew what the, this character thought. I knew how he felt. I was dialed in. I felt like I'd been preparing for this my whole life in, in ways that I had no clue about. So I was really quite confident in my ability to deliver the character and, to do the job. And when you explain to people how, you know, especially of a younger generation, mm -hmm. the cultural impact of right, Roots right. at the moment. Right. How do you put it in your words? It was, a, it was a, a cultural sociological phenomenon delivered through the medium of television. Mm -hmm. It was the right thing at the right time. And Roots aired in a way that sort of created a perfect storm, mm -hmm. really. When Roots aired, the book had come out and it was phenomenally successful. Alex had won the Pulitzer. Mm -hmm. The Pulitzer had been, had been delivered. And it was one of the coldest winters in memory mm. on the East Coast. Mm. And ABC had made the decision to broadcast Roots in eight consecutive nights of television, which was a, a huge gamble, and, and no one had ever done that before. Yeah. Multi-part miniseries up until that point had been broadcast in weekly installments, like Rich Man, Poor Man, the Irwin Shaw novel. But the, the network decided that it was a risk, they weren't certain how this story about slavery in America would be embraced right. by a predominantly white American audience. But David Wolper was brilliant as the executive producer because he hired all of America's favorite TV dads to play villains mm. in Roots, mm. thereby lowering the barrier of entry for the white American audience. Mm. Ed Asner, Chuck Connors, uh, Lorne Green, um, Robert Reed, Papa Brady himself, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Lloyd Bridges, all of these actors, Ed Asner, mm -hmm. they all played villains in Roots. And the response to the story itself and the quality of the performances and the detailed nature of the production, it created a phenomenon. You mentioned how cold it was. Was that part of how successful it was? Because, it was. Because people were home. People were at home. And they had to watch TV. They had to do something. Right. Wow, that's right. interesting. Yeah. So it was, it was really literally a perfect storm. Perfect storm. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. If you think of the through line of all the things you've done in your career, yeah. storytelling mm -hmm. is number one. Right. So what did that for very first role teach you about the power of story? What I learned from Roots about storytelling was that not only can television be an essential tool in the service of storytelling, but it can also serve through its engagement factor 
as an opportunity to change people's lives, to change the way they think and feel. That the power, the real power of storytelling is its impact on the audience. Mm -hmm. And Roots had a monumental impact on the audience by telling a true and authentic story, right? Yeah. They always say the first rule of storytelling is not to tell, but to show. Mm. And mm. that's essentially what Roots did. The story of, of the enslavement of Africans in America had never been told before from the point of view of the Africans. Mm. And that was different mm -hmm. and compelling. Mm -hmm. And we watched, and we watched with our families, and we watched every night. The audience grew almost exponentially during the course of the week. And I think the final episode of Roots is still in the top five of most watched episodes in the history of the medium. Is that, Incredible. Is that still true? That sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. Yeah. And talk about range. When you think about that first role in Roots and then shifting gears, talking about Geordie LaForge mm. in, in Star Trek, mm -hmm. what was it like being a part of such an amazing American franchise mm. for so long? I was a huge fan of Star Trek before I got the role. Were you? Oh yeah, my, my family, we watched it all the time, my mother and my sisters and I. We were huge Star Trek fans. The presence of Michelle Nichols meant that when the future comes, at least in this version of the f future, there's a place for people who look like us. Mm. And that was huge, mm. absolutely huge. Mm. And it was really, it was the beginning of my love of science fiction literature, Star Trek. In a whole new genre. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, to this day, speculative fiction is my favorite genre when I'm reading for my own pleasure and enjoyment because of what it offers me mm -hmm. and what it offered me as a child. Mm -hmm. A place to be in my imagination that was safe yes. and progressive. I think of being a fan of Star Trek sort of akin to being the fan of a sports team. It mm -hmm. like unites people of all different mm -hmm. types mm -hmm. for rooting for something. And I feel like that's what being a Star Trek fan is like. What is it like for you personally to be a part of sort of that family? Yeah, it's family on so many different levels, right? And you're right, I mean, you know, it, it, and what we're rooting for when we're watching Star Trek is the future of humanity. Mm -hmm. And that's no small thing. How profound is that? Well, right? <laughs> if you're going to tell stories, you might as well tell the big ones, right? right? The ones that have the opportunity to be the most inspiring, mm -hmm. to hit people where they live. Yeah. And, you know, through these little morality plays, uh, Gene was able to address the human condition in the, the, the now, yes. right? With the original series. And, and, and the, I, I really believe that the next generation carried on in that tradition with the stories that we told. Hmm. How did you get the job of reading Rainbow? Hmm. Because that's, you know, when I mention the name LeVar Burton, it is inextricably tied yeah. to reading Rainbow. Sure. And also who you are and your legacy and your passion for literacy. Mm. So first of all, how'd you get the job? I was on my way to Africa. I was passing through New York City and there used to be on WNYW in, in New York, a woman named Sue Simmons. Oh yeah, I know Live Sue at Simmons. Five, yes, right? Yes. And so I was, I was doing a, a Sue Simmons interview on Live at Five. And uh, the executive producers uh, of Reading Rainbow were looking for a host. And they, they tracked me down. Really? Based and on that interview? Based on that interview, they tracked me down 
uh, at the hotel I was staying at and pitched over the phone the, the idea of this television series that captured kids in front of the TV during the summer months and, and helped them form a relationship with the written word, mm. right? Take a child who can read mm. and by the virtue of engagement, mm. turn them into a reader for life. Mm. I was in. Now, let me, let, me, let me back up a little bit because it's so obvious that, that, that your intention throughout your career is great storytelling. Mm -hmm. But at what point do you personally did it become your intention? Right? Mm -hmm. At what point did that mm -hmm. kick in and say, wow, this may be my mission? I have not always referred to myself as a storyteller as I do now. This is a long, this, this is a long time. This is over 50 years in the making. It is yeah. only recently that I have really felt comfortable calling myself that. Even Be though you've done that your whole career? Even though I've done it yeah. my whole career, I just feel like I can own it now mm. in a way that I never have before. Right? Well, you were a true expert. Well, and, and only by necessity, really. Because as an actor, I recognized just how difficult it was for me to sit around and wait for the phone to ring. And so I had to develop different skill sets. Mm -hmm. Becoming a, a director mm -hmm. was really key mm -hmm. to that process. And, and a producer on Reading Rainbow and then developing as, as a writer. Mm -hmm. And it just it sort of all unfolded quite naturally, but it's, it's not the vision that I had for myself. Right? It, you are that story, that Steve Jobs quote of the connecting the dots looking backwards. Yes. Because it, in a way, reading Rainbow doesn't seem congruent with Star Trek or with Kunta Kinte, but it's looking back, you can actually see it. Part of the same whole, without question. Yeah. Yeah. You have said that literacy is akin to freedom. Sure it is. And I'd love to hear why you are so passionate about literacy specifically with young people? Because if you can read in at least one language, then your mind is free, unshackleable, if that is a word. It is now. Mm -hmm. No one can hold sway over you because you have the ability, the wherewithal, to pick up a book, and take a look, right? Mm -hmm. And determine the truth for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is freedom, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned. The ability to impact one's own destiny through knowledge and information. It's, it's the human journey, yeah. right? And, okay. and if we can manage to, to be civil to one another and, and even open-hearted, mm -hmm. right? And, and lend our help to those who need it when we have it to give. Mm -hmm. It just makes this whole thing so much more meaningful life and and i know that stories i know now from 50 plus years of process that stories are so important on that journey yeah. they're critical they contain everything we know about ourselves all of our hopes our dreams our aspirations for ourselves our our children future generations all of that is contained in the stories that we tell oh i love that if you can read, you can travel the world without actually leaving your room. You can travel anywhere in the world yes. in your imagination and by exposing yourself to different points of view, mm -hmm. you naturally develop a sense of empathy, mm. which is essential for a successful human being. Yeah. 
What are some of the comments of people? Because I imagine you get a lot of people who come up to you and talk about your impact on Reading Rainbow. <laughs> what, what are some of the stories? I, I mean, I, you're, I would love to follow you in an airport because I bet you get really a wide range of people from the Trekkies, yeah. <laughs> from yeah. the, the fans of Roots back yes, in the day absolutely. to Reading Rainbow. Sure. Yeah. Every day of my life, I encounter someone who shares with me the impact that something I've done, most particularly reading Rainbow, has yes. had on my life. I mean, there, there's a, a whole generation of adults now oh, yeah. who grew up on the show yeah. and, and attribute, you know, they're, you know, they're watching Reading Rainbow for having helped them to discover who they are. I mentioned that I was interviewing you to one of our writers and the look on her, her whole demeanor changed. Mm -hmm. It was a warmth and a, uh, you could tell she had a, such a love and a fondness for you because you were such an important part of her childhood. And it, it really, it just warmed my heart to become a part of someone's story, yeah. right? Really, yeah. that's what you that's, did through that program. For the son of an English teacher. <laughs> right? Yes. Um, was your mother a woman of faith? She was, as it turns out. She wasn't a Catholic. She was a teacher. So she knew but she that, put you in the Catholic school. Because she knew, she knew yeah. that that's where the best education was available. Wow. Right. Uh, later in her life, she did convert to Catholicism. Interesting. Yeah. I think she made some sort of deal with her God, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think she prayed that into existence for you. That's what and, I think happened. And, you know, she made good, right? She made good on it. Um, to be from a family mm -hmm. for whom it would have been illegal. Mm. for me to know how to read mm. just a few generations ago. Mm. An offense to society, punishable by whipping mm. or death, even. The gift of literacy, just knowing how to read. A black man knowing how to read was that offensive not that long ago. Mm. And to have grown up and become a symbol for Literacy advocacy, especially for children? Are you kidding me? I just recently spent an experience with Henry Louis Gates, mm -hmm. and he, he gave me the gift of my genealogy. What and was that like? It was one of the best days of my life. Was it? Yeah. Why? Because he gave me a piece of myself that I did not have before. And he reinforced for me how fervently my family, my bloodline, has fought for this country to be the nation that it can be. I have skin in this game, big time. And that knowledge was probably something you didn't realize when you got the Reading Rainbow gig. No, no. And, and it wasn't even something I realized when I got the Roots gig. Right? Yeah. Because that information was unavailable. Right. Right. To us. So what is it like to step into that knowledge? What you just said to it's me is so powerful. It's empowering. It's empowering. And in amidst all of the turmoil that we are experiencing in this country today, it makes me ever more determined to fight for the America that I believe in. Because I deserve it. And I've earned it. Mm. My family has earned it. Mm. And we will not 
be denied. Sometimes you just have to let something hang in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There is, you gotta let, you gotta, as a great director, you know that it, there are times let that the you, moment play. Because people who are listening yeah. need to absorb yeah, that. Yeah. It's a, that's a lot. That's one of the things that yeah. we really did consciously on Reading Rainbow was we left space to breathe, right? If you go back and look at an episode of Reading Rainbow, it's pretty pastoral in its pace. It's not quick cutting, right, right? right? We wanted to give kids an opportunity to integrate, digest and integrate digest. Yeah, and think. what we were sharing with them. Absolutely. Yeah. To internalize it. Right. To internalize it. Yeah. yeah. We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National Agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National Agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by Angostura. If you've ever made a cocktail at home, you've most likely shaken Angostura bitters into your cocktail at the very end of the cocktail making process. In addition to bitters, Angostura has been making world-class rum for more than 130 years. The next fall cocktail you make, try the beautiful, smooth flavor of Angostura rum. It will transport you to the Caribbean islands of Trinidad and Tobago. The House of Angostura will celebrate its 200-year anniversary of turning drinks into cocktails in 2024. Cheers, everyone. Now back to our conversation. If someone were to read your resume and mm. to, to read your filmography of everything you've done, it looks like you had a charmed career. <laughs> yeah. Here you are at 19, getting the role of a lifetime, mm. Star Trek, one of the great American franchises. You become an American icon, really, through a reading rainbow. Right. But I know that that's only one perspective. That's only one perspective. So 
take me through some of the difficulties of your career. What was the toughest time, and what did you feel like you had to overcome? Well, it's a pretty big question. Mm -hmm. I suppose the, the, at the beginning, the middle, and the end of the day, what I had to overcome was my own sense of inadequacy. Mm, really? When you grow up in a culture that continually messages to you that you don't belong, mm. that you are inferior, mm. that you do not deserve, it's work mm. to reprogram yourself mm -hmm. from those limiting beliefs. Mm -hmm. It's simply the truth. So overcoming the nature of being black in America mm -hmm. is really the job mm -hmm. because it's it's not easy and it's not for the weak it really isn't being black in america is hard work it really is white people just don't get it because mm -hmm. they don't experience it mm -hmm. right i believe you it's exhausting mm -hmm. exhausting where would you have liked your career to go was there anything you wanted to do that you didn't get to do no 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 my career has happened perfectly mm. right Sometimes in spite of me, <laughs> really. But uh, see, I'm not, the, I'm not the guy who can do whatever he wants, right? I'm not like the Kevin Costners of the world. I'm the guy that's taken what's come my way and made the best of it, right? Because I allowed for the... But also the one who's had the talent and skill to get the gig. Well, let's, yeah, let's point that, that out. That, well, that, At 19, that goes along you got with the that, territory. You Absolutely. got that role. I believe that I am doing what I was meant to do, mm -hmm. right? And I knew that early on. I really felt like I was in the right place at the right time, and I kept getting confirmation of that. You know, Roots was, you know, I was 19. I was a sophomore in college. I wasn't thinking about film and, and television at all. My goal was to graduate with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree and go to New York and hustle my way onto the Broadway stage. What's that? Yeah, right? But you have to have a plan, but you have to be willing to be flexible within the execution mm -hmm. of that plan. Well, isn't that life, the tension between what you want to happen mm -hmm. and the reality of what does happen and what opportunities do come your way mm -hmm. and rising to the challenge? And rising to the challenge, yeah. right? meeting life where it is mm -hmm. and then allowing it to take you where it wants you to go. What do you wish you knew, mm. even 20, 30 years ago, that you know now? Mm -hmm. I, I wish I had known then that I would eventually get to where I am now. Mm. And what do you mean by that? There's so much anxiety um, that goes along with mm. uh, you know, being a human being. <laughs> Time out. Hold the phone. Yes, yes, Lamar. That is universal. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, and, and the energy that we waste in anxiety um, could be better spent, right? Yeah. Elsewhere. Ooh. <sighs> Are those capers? Or? Thank you, Henry. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. Green peppercorn. Yeah. Oh, Thank you very that much. That looks amazing. Thank you, Henry. Have the fries with the mustard. Have the mustard, fries. Mustard. Excellent. Henry, yes. maybe time for a glass of wine. Get some fries in us and have have and a, and a, a bite of, of a bite of steak and a, and a glass of red. Yeah. Okay. Sounds okay. great. Okay. Yeah. Yes, please. Thank, Thank you. you. This looks spectacular. It, it, it is. Um, <laughs> enjoy. Thank you. Really, enjoy. Wow. All right. Let's take a moment for this. Yeah. Ah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Oh. 
beautiful. This is amazing. Cheers. Before wow. we do this, yes. do a fry. Do a fry. You've got to taste the fries. Right. Thank you, Henry. Thank you. And they serve them with ketchup mm. and, and mustard. mustard, which is the French way. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let me make a toast. Mm. Uh, to you, LaVar, for sharing your truth and for sharing your incredible journey with us mm. and the viewers. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This is amazing. Oh, wow. This is perfect. Perfect combo. You have all the food groups. We here. do. Everything's very good right now. You very good. You got your meat, your potatoes, and your red wine. Exactly, and your mustard. It's all good. Um, so you had just mentioned that as humans, mm -hmm. we waste a lot of time with anxiety. Yeah, we do. Yeah. How would you have better spent that time that you purport to be so anxious at different points in your life? Well, I would have. I, I, I certainly would have been more relaxed and more confident mm. in how I move through the world. Mm. That's all. Yeah. That's all. I wouldn't have been so wound tight, right? If I had known when I was 40 that I'd be here 25 years later, yeah. I'd have had a, a, a whole quarter of a century of... Breathing. Breathing. <sighs> That's it. Mm. I'm breathing. For a long time, I lived my life like I was being chased, mm. right? Like you had something to prove? Like I had something to prove and, and, that, the, and that what was chasing me was n negative judgment mm. of who I am. Mm. Right? You didn't see that you were a beloved character? Um, not immediately. I mean, it was a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gradual thing, right? A career. Um, because you are a beloved well, character. Thank you. You are. That and that's 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 not easy to right. let in all the time. Yeah, it really isn't. One, one of my least favorite words used to be process. I wasn't comfortable with process. I had to learn how to be able to sit in my discomfort mm. in order to live my life more authentically and have patience with everything, yeah. especially myself. Mm. And that's learned. Mm. It doesn't come naturally to yeah. me. There are people who just have the sort of nervous system that is set at a low temperature. Mm -hmm. I'm much more volatile than that. <laughs> that's not you. That's not me. <laughs> Ask my wife. That's not who I am. At some point in your career, you got into directing. Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy that? Love. 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 And what about it do you enjoy? Uses more of me. Yeah. I love acting. It was my first love. But as a director, um, I'm just more involved mm -hmm. in the storytelling, mm -hmm. at the center of the storytelling, mm -hmm. right along with the actors and the writers, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so it's possible to wear a lot of different hats mm -hmm. as a director. This show really features a wide swath of different types of people uh -huh. who have written their own story. Right. I'm curious to hear from you, at what point in your career you realized you could write your own story? Hmm. I don't know that that's ever been a real conscious realization on my part. Mm -hmm. What I did realize was that through living an authentic life, I could live a story that was my own. Mm that was a part of my destiny. Mm -hmm. I believe that we have all come into this realm 
with specific intentions on a cellular level, mm -hmm. right? Which a cellular, cellular level. Oh, I love that. Not right. cellular. Not cellular. 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 Right. That we're all here for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And that is our responsibility as we grow and mature to discover what that is. And I believe that it is generally based around our passions. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that we are passionate about is what tends to, to bring us joy. Mm -hmm. And it is our joy that is the key to discovering what your purpose is. Oh, that's great. That is really great. Yeah. Um, you now have your own production company. I do. And what kind of stories are you most interested in telling? And what kind of work are you most interested in doing with LeVar Burton Entertainment? We say at, at, at LeVar Burton Entertainment that we tell stories that foster community, that champion diversity, and that encourage empathy. Mm. And that can look like a, a multitude of things, both scripted and non-scripted, mm -hmm. narrative, and reality mm. uh, for television and film and other mediums. Mm -hmm. um, we produce a podcast called LeVar Burton Reads. Mm -hmm. um, we're developing other podcasts um, uh, under our relationship with Stitcher and SiriusXM. Isn't there something magical about just audio? I mean, oh, as someone who's been in yeah. visual medium, but in film and TV, yeah. there's something about just not having to worry about any of this. To make up the pictures in your head. Yes. See, we lived for a Germany for a time when I was a kid, mm -hmm. right? And all of the entertainment was in German, except mm -hmm. for the Armed Forces Radio Network. So this is really my being a podcaster is a return to my own storytelling roots. Oh, wow. It's where I fell in love with radio dramas and, 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 and storytelling that was exciting mm -hmm. and theatrical. Yes. Right? So I, I love doing the podcast because it gives me an opportunity to engage in storytelling in one of my favorite ways, which is reading aloud. Yes. Taking the words of a master writer and interpreting them in a one-off performance yes. piece yes. for an audience. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I personally recently started a podcast two years ago. So imagine this show, mm -hmm. but I do it virtually. Um, I ask someone their favorite restaurant, but then we launch into the, their story and we do it just pure audio. And mm -hmm. it has really challenged me because I've spent my entire career on television to think about how the listener is absorbing the story, right. what details you have to fill in to make it come to life. It's a real challenge. Mm -hmm. It is. But what we're doing when we do that is we're inviting people into their imaginations, mm -hmm. right? And I think that the imagination is the superpower of human beings. Mm. It really is. Imagination is the superpower of human beings. Yeah. We can actually locate ourselves in a moment that is past, present, or future. Mm -hmm. No other species that I know of can do that, mm. right? Yeah. Certainly not, you know, in this solar system. So the ability to imagine is what gives us the wherewithal to create everything in this world, right, that we have made or manufactured began as a thought in the mind of some person. Mm. And the process of taking that thought and turning it into reality, manifestation, mm -hmm. that's, that's the e-ticket here, you know, on the planet. Being able to turn your dreams into reality, mm. that's, that's why we're here. Right? Yeah, it's a beautiful thought, a beautiful idea. As you speak to crowds around the country, and I'm sure you're asked to speak quite a bit, mm. what is the first thing you like to impart to them? 
When you are, are, are meeting with a group, mm. what is the first lesson or message that you think is uniquely LeVar Burton to share? This takes me back to your question about how did I know I could have the sort of career that, that I do? Yeah. It is, at least for me, simply a matter of surrendering to that which is meant to be, mm. right? We can do everything that we can do to, you know, control. control the machinations that we go through in order to manipulate the world in which we live mm -hmm. and the circumstances, you know. And we all do it. And we all do it. Mm -hmm. What I have found to be really valuable to me in my life is to trust more mm -hmm. in the rightness of me than the specifics. I believe that I am in the right place at the right time. And as such, that those things that come to me are for me. Mm. And those things that pass me by are not for me. Mm. And it's up to me to make the adjustment, mm. right? As about to- About how you feel about it. Where am I in alignment with that truth? Yes. I just recently had a, an experience where I was very, very vocal about wanting to become the host of Jeopardy. Now, I've been watching Jeopardy since I was in the third grade with Art Fleming. Mm -hmm. And we watched Jeopardy almost every night of my life. And I felt like that should be, that's, it just felt right. I, I should be the next host of Jeopardy. I'm a huge fan. I badgered Trebek for years to do Celebrity Jeopardy. And he always said, well, LeVar, we can't, you know, <laughs> dumb down the questions for celebrity contestants. Finally, for whatever reason, they decided to do it, and, and I got on, and I won on Jeopardy. I felt like there was a part of my destiny that was linked to that job. Yes. I felt very strongly about it. What I discovered was that wasn't true. Mm. But what the passion that led me to that moment did deliver was an opportunity to sit in my discomfort mm. and figure out why. Right? And what did you learn? I learned that Jeopardy and my desire to host that show put me in a position to be rejected for the world around me to recognize, wow, but he's got such great hosting skills, mm. right? Mm. And so the Rose Parade called mm. and said, we would love for you to mm. be the Grand Marshal mm. in our parade mm. to kick off 2022. Mm -hmm. And then the National Spelling Bee called and they said, would you please consider hosting yes. the Spelling Bee yes. this year. And then Hasbro called mm. and they said, you know, we have this little IP called Trivial Pursuit and we want to turn it into a game show for television and we can't think of anyone we would like to host that show more than you. And do you know what? What? They wanted me to be a part of this effort to the point where they were willing to make me a partner in the enterprise. Now, Jeopardy mm. would have considered they were doing me a favor. Mm to give me that job. Right. But I'm a financial partner in the enterprise that is Trivial Pursuit. Something better was headed your way. And you have to be willing to acknowledge that we don't always know what's best for us. Mm -hmm. I'll bet on myself every time. But what I learned from the Jeopardy experience was that I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. But being in the moment and being open to that 
which is true mm. is always going to lead you to the next step. And I, I tell kids all the time, take the step that's in front of you, right? Don't try and write the end of the story while you're still at the beginning of a chapter because life like walking is a controlled fall. We go along like this and unless we stick that other foot out there, we're gonna fall on our faces. Life like walking is a controlled fall. Take the step that's in front of you. The next step will reveal itself. And then the next step. And then the next step. And then before you know it, before you know it, you've been in the business for over 50 some odd years and you've had a career that has spanned the breadth of the black experience in America from Kunta to Geordie, from slavery to the stars. And I feel like LeVar, the Reading Rainbow guy is smack dab in the middle of that spectrum. That's my life and my career. And I couldn't have done that by dreaming it up. <laughs> I did that by surrendering to that which is. Having ambition, absolutely. Having drive and ego, without question. Overcoming obstacles every damn day. But that's how you get there, one day at a time. I'm so glad you brought it up because I was gonna ask it and I would have botched it. There was outrage when you <laughs> did not get the job on Jeopardy. And I was in that camp. <laughs> you gonna make me choke on my sickle paw. There was outrage and I hope, I, I, I don't ever encourage anyone to listen to social media, but I hope you felt the love of so many people who wanted you in that role. I did, unquestionably. And, um, and felt like you belonged and deserved it. And that was a real revelation to me, to feel the love. Yeah. You know, so. Was it really? It was. It was. Trust me when I say that. Yeah. It was, and I'm grateful. Yeah. I, 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 I really am. And I'd like to believe that it, it, it is energy being returned to me for an investment that I have made over time in the lives of others. And that's what it feels like to me. And just feeling like you should have gotten the job. Well, <laughs> but, but again, remember, everything happens for a reason. Right, no, it's, you, know? you said it so beautifully. And also thank you for being vulnerable enough to share how much you wanted it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. and how much you felt like it was your destiny. I did. As it turns out, it wasn't really the audition that I thought it was. The man who taught me how to play the game, the executive producer, Mike Richards, told me repeatedly that he was not interested in the job, that his job was to help them find the right person for the job. And then he went and gave himself the job. Ain't life something? <laughs> Ain't life something? <laughs> Some things you can't write. No. And, <laughs> and you can't make up. <laughs> and, then, um, and then he didn't have the job. Oh, I know. Right? right? We all know how that played out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and by that time, I was like, I was done with the yeah. mess, right? Right. I, I, right. I'm, Let's get away from all this. Yeah. Yeah. You have a son and a daughter. Mm. And you speak a lot about authenticity and how following your own passion, your own path, leads to success. What was the number one thing you tried to impart to your children as they develop their own path in life? Follow your heart. 
you know? I had that kind of support when I was a kid. From your mom? From my mom, mm -hmm. right. And when I told her that I had decided not to become a priest, mm -hmm. which is pretty much one of the most stable occupations mm -hmm. you can think of, right? Priests don't pay taxes. <laughs> so when I told her I, I was foregoing that and I decided to become an actor, and I saw the, the, her spirit waver for just a second. Her worry. Yeah. I saw her worry, yeah. right? But in that very next moment mm -hmm. was the love and support, yeah. right? So I want my kids to know that, that there is nothing, no thing they can't accomplish mm. if they really, really want it. And there's a saying that you really only need one person to really believe in you in life. You had that. I think that we are all looking for someone for the experience of being seen, mm -hmm. you know? That's what we want. Mm -hmm. We want to be seen, you know? And first and foremost, we want to be seen by our parents. Mm -hmm. yeah. We so desperately want, you know, their love. What's next for you? Mm. Isn't that an exciting thought? Mm -hmm. It is. With all that you've just talked about and mm -hmm. all of the strength and the optimism and the certainty right. and the passion, mm. what is next for LeVar Burton? We're going to tell more stories. We're going to tell stories for film and television. We're going to tell stories on podcasts. I'm going to continue to, to public speak and, and share my story and encourage people to, you know, to discover their authentic selves and, and, and tell their story. We, we, we tell our stories to, every, to each other all day, every day. Right. Whether we're aware of it or not, we're yes. always communicating who we are Amen. and what we're about. Yeah. So we might as well do it consciously. Right. right? Intentionally. Intentionally. Yes. Absolutely. So my intention is to continue to do that which it is I do. Mm. I am at a point in my life and career where I have a choice as to who I play with. Mm -hmm. And that's a good place to be. It's a good place to yeah. be. Right. So I'm really happy that I can partner with people that I admire and want to work with. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that I look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, just doing more of what I do um, from a, a place of belonging. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing that I think we're all looking for, mm -hmm. is a, a place where we can belong. Mm -hmm. um, having created this company was really important to me because I've learned a lot over the past couple of decades about leadership and team. Mm -hmm. And so I am having an opportunity to really, for the first time in my career as a businessman, hand select mm -hmm. my own team. Yeah. And so far it's working out pretty well. I'm really curious, Labar. Mm. You wear a lot of hats now, mm -hmm. right? It's, mm -hmm. it's beyond acting, it's beyond directing, podcasting your entertainment company. What part of all that you do feels most uniquely you? Like when do you feel, because you can do it all and you probably enjoy it all, but what, what part of that is, now that's LeVar. Here's the thing, and it's a realization that I've only recently come to and it's just like, blows my mind. What I have come to in this life is my job my job mm -hmm. is to be myself. Mm -hmm. That's what's required of me. That's all I have to do is be myself. Now there are different aspects of who I am that take front and center right. you know, in various situations, but right. in every 
place I find myself, my assignment is to be me, mm. authentically me, mm. in that moment. And everything else takes care of itself. Everything else takes care of itself. Now that has taken a career. 65 years. To step into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. But what a gift, yeah. right? Because some people never get there. Right? Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. When people hear the name LeVar Burton, mm -hmm. what do you want them to think? Uh, I'm not attached to what they think. Mm. I'm so much less attached to what other people think than I used to be. Not that I am unaffected. Right. And, and, and not that I don't care. I, right. I do. But it doesn't motivate me the way it used to. Mm -hmm. The judgment of others. Mm -hmm. I learned that, that my own self-judgment is much more critical and more productive. Mm. Let me rephrase the question then. Okay. What would you like your legacy to be? <laughs> he believed in the power of story. And he lived it. Mm. Thank you for this amazing conversation. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todinefortv and Facebook at todinefortwithkatesullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Terlato Wine Group. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.